He was an atheist. She no longer believed that God loved her, gave his life for her. And another person had been so hurt by the church, there was so much anger that he had no hope. These are three people in a group, a group called Alpha, which y'all have done here in the past. But these are three people in a group in another city. And because of the outreach of people in that church, because people were anointed by the Holy Spirit for the sake of other people, I'll tell you the rest of the story at the end of the sermon. <laughs> My name is Philip Jones, and I'm the head, so to speak, of the Anglican Commission in America, of which you all are a part. I come from Dallas, Texas, where I'm also the senior pastor of All Saints Dallas. I moved there about six and a half years ago to plant this church near downtown Dallas. And in November of 2018, we will be moving actually into downtown Dallas as we bought a building and designing it, working on it now. And uh, we will be involved in really serious urban ministry, and I'm scared to death. <laughs> you all have your own issues here. There's the famous wall that I've heard about. So we'll be praying for you on Tuesday, Gray, and, uh, and for whatever sermon you're going to deliver to them on Tuesday. This is Advent. It's a season of the church calendar year. It's actually the beginning of the new church year. Advent is a season of expectation. Oftentimes we hear readings in Advent about the coming of Christ. The fact that he came about 2,000 years ago. It was celebrated at Christmas, the birth of Christ. But also that he's coming back. And there's that sense that we live in between those two comings, Right? And as we live in between those two sermons, there's a certain posture. I call it the Advent posture. And the Advent posture goes something like this. We stand on our tiptoes. We're looking for his coming. We're looking for God. We're looking for this season in our own life to where he becomes more real to us. And we become more honest with him. And we can let down all our defenses, take off all of our masks, and be honest with him. I say that because uh, I've been in Dallas now for six and a half years. I grew up in Dallas. I left after high school, went to college, went to law school, practiced law for seven years, and then went to the ministry, a full-time ordained ministry, and went to seminary and all that. And, and uh, uh, I've lived in Waco, Texas, Marshall, Texas, El Paso, Texas, Anybody here ever been to El Paso on purpose? Wow. Wow, I'm amazed. Um, maybe you were at Fort Bliss or something. I don't know. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, actually, it was seven of the best years we've had. We loved El Paso. It's 80% Hispanic and such a strong sense of family, and everybody really gets along. Anyway, then I left and moved to Little Rock, Arkansas, uh, where I became part of the Anglican Mission in America and took over a church there. All that is to say is that God has had me on a journey as he has all of us as we work under the power and the witness of his Holy Spirit. I'm going to talk to you this morning about the Holy Spirit and mission. 
If I speak too fast, just hang on there because I repeat myself often. I'm going to talk to you about <laughs> the Holy Spirit and mission. Now, I have, for whatever reason, I have a deep East Texas accent, so it's something different than Southern. It's kind of East Texan, but that's where it is nonetheless. Okay. The, the passage that was just read to you a moment ago was from Isaiah 61. Isaiah was written 700 years before Christ. The Lord spoke to Isaiah, and he talked about the Holy Spirit. He said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you uh, and anoint you to give good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, Release to the captives a change of heart and lives for those who feel like that they are imprisoned. In other words, there's hope for change. The hope for change begins when we are honest with God. Take off the mask. Dallas is full of people that are involved in what we call image management. The Cowboys were America's team. Not really, but that was the image, and that was the media. That's what they all said. It's hard to be real when everyone around you is putting on their mask or managing their image so they can look more successful or they can look more popular or they can whatever it may be. Having grown up there, I'm able to come and say, take off the mask. We don't really care where you work. We don't really care how much you make. We do care if you drive a really neat pickup truck, but that's about it. <laughs> and that's more my issue than anybody else's. But anyway, so for there to be healing, for there to be transformation, for there to be real hope, we have to be honest with God. And he's created for us a space of grace to do that. And that's why he talks about the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is in us if in any degree we have put our faith in Christ and the Holy Spirit comes upon us for the sake of other people. In us for conversion, on us for mission. Say that with me. In us for conversion, on us for mission. I'm going to walk through this here in a moment. But that's why I wanted to start with this passage from Isaiah. Because it's talking about a day that will come. Actually, Jesus quotes this and reads from this passage in his first public ministry in the synagogue in Nazareth of Galilee when he begins his public ministry. Actually, the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus just like the Holy Spirit has to come upon us for the sake of other people. Jesus himself was baptized. Do you find that hard to understand or to believe? I do. But yet he's showing us this is the way forward is not just the Holy Spirit in you for the sake of others, but upon you for the sake of ministry. Jesus, being the Son of God from all eternity, had never actually been human, incarnated, in such a way that he was giving us an example to show us what it means to be, live for the sake of other people. Why? So that broken hearts, broken people can be put back together. So that the poor and the poor in spirit can have the good news preached to them. So the people who are captive to habit patterns of sin or confusion 
or misdirection or a lack of direction can find their way. Blessed are those that mourn, for they're going to be comforted. I'm going to give you a garland of ashes instead of a wreath of mourning. Now listen, and it's you people. It's the people that are broken. It's the people that are hurt. It's the people that are scared. It's the people that are in prison. It's the people that are captive for habit pattern of sin who get changed, transformed, not perfected, but changed and transformed. It's you people who are going to make the difference in the world. It's you people who are going to bind up other people. Let me just read this. Isaiah 61, verse 4. Listen closely. It's they. Who's the they? The they is the broken, the captive, the imprisoned, the people that have been messed up. They hear the good news. They give their life to the Lord. Things begin to be put back together at whatever age. Not perfectly, but they begin to be put back together. It's these people. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities. Do you hear the good news in that? It's people like you and me, as inadequate as we may feel that we are, and we are. It's people like you and me that are broken and beat up and all those. As we are put back together, we're the ones that help put the world back together. God is working through you. You are plan A, and there ain't no plan B. <laughs> and oh, how I wish that there were, because I look upon you, and I say, this is it. And look him out in the mirror and say, that's it? You're going to work with this whole thing? That's the good news of the gospel. It all begins with conversion. It all begins with the sense that you know that you've given your life to Christ. Jesus, the night before he died, spoke to his disciples in John chapters 14, 15, 16, and 17. And what do you say? To people the night before you know you're going to die? Who do you draw together? How do you speak to them? What do you say to them? This is what Jesus told them. He said, listen, I'm going to be leaving you. Now, he had told them that a bunch, but they never really believed it. I'm going to be leaving you, but I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to give you another counselor. What? Another counselor. Well, wait a minute. The disciples must have thought, I know there's something in Isaiah chapter 9 about a prophecy, and maybe Jesus fulfills this prophecy. When the Lord said to Isaiah, there's going to be a day when a child will be born, a son will be given, and the, shoulders, uh, the, the, the government will rest upon his shoulders. That's not so unusual in and of itself, is it? Children are born every day. Half of them are sons. And some people are born into leadership positions by virtue of their family dynamics, family lineage. But then the Lord goes on to speak to Isaiah and said, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. What in the world is that? There's going to be a child born who will be God himself. 700 years before Christ is when this was written, talked about, and prophesied. His name will be 
wonderful counselor, prince of peace. He already knew about this church even then. <laughs> I ought to stop there, shouldn't I? <laughs> so in Jesus, the night before he died, said, I'm going to give you another counselor. It's a recognition that this, what he's talking about is something just like him, but something that would last forever, whereas he could not last forever in his human form, rather only in his ascended form. Because in his human form, he's limited by time and space. 24-hour days, seven days a week. But now I'm going to give you another counselor. He will be with you forever. Not everyone, he says, will know him, but you know him. This is what he tells his disciples. It may be what he's saying to you. You know him. I will not leave you as orphans. I will be with you through the Holy Spirit. I will give you another helper. Too often, as followers of Christ, we look like orphans. We get just as distressed about the world situations as anyone else. We get just as worried and concerned and greedy and, and hopeless as everyone else. Why? We're not orphans. We have a father. And for the father, let me tell you, this world is not spinning out of control. Do you hear that? The world is not spinning out of control. There's actually a plan. I looked up the word Vieira. And the first thing that popped up was master planned community. <laughs> That's not much. I would think it was something deeper than that. Master plan, but God really does have a master plan. So Vieira is well named, and you're part of it. Master plan community. What is this master plan? There'll be a day we no longer live under the old covenant. The old covenant was one of law, the Ten Commandments, etc. It showed us the crookedness of our ways, but it couldn't heal us or transform us. And there would be a day, the Lord said back in Ezekiel and back in Isaiah and back in Jeremiah, there'll be a day when you're going to live under a new covenant. In a moment, we're going to partake of the blood of that new covenant. We're going to renew our covenant relationship with God when we partake of that blood. It's a covenant renewal ceremony. And there'll be a day when there'll be a new covenant and the Holy Spirit will be poured out. So Jesus, the night before he dies, is talking about this new covenant experience of the Holy Spirit going to come. Later on, in John chapter 7, at the end of a feast, Jesus stands up. It's a week-long feast remembering God's providence and God's protection of them while they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. At the end of a week-long feast, Jesus, who hadn't said anything up until this time, stands up in the middle of the temple and says in front of everyone, if you are thirsty, come to me, and out of you will flow springs of living water. And by that he meant the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit and mission. If you are thirsty, come to me. The Holy Spirit and mission begins first with conversion. Conversion means 
You've come to know, accept, follow, however you want to say it, Jesus Christ. You've come to acknowledge your need for that, your need for a Savior, and your need for a Lord. However we celebrate Christmas or any other holiday, it begins with conversion. The Holy Spirit is in you for the sake of conversion. If you are a follower of Christ, then the Holy Spirit is already in you. Right? Usually that conversion comes when we recognize a need in our life. In fact, I'll go as far as to say this. God has nothing for those who have no need. I mean, it's all there if you have a need, but if you have no need, you don't need God, and what's it got for you? I mean, he doesn't love you, but he has nothing with those who have no need. Usually, usually the need comes about through a variety of different ways. Some of them are, are the need, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm messing up. I know I need forgiveness. I don't want to die and go to hell. That's a need for everybody, right? Or I need guidance. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what's really happening. Or I need direction. I've lost my way. Or a myriad of other needs. But at some point, there comes a realization of a need that you have. And then you fall in love with God because he meets that need. He creates that space of grace. What is grace? G-R-A-C-E. God's riches at Christ's expense. All your sins have been paid for, past, present, and future. And so we can come and walk into that space of grace. Why? Because we not just stand by the river, but rather we come to Jesus. Jesus said, if you're thirsty, come to me. My prayer for all of us is the prayer of St. Augustine that God will put salt on your lips to make you thirsty for him. But just because the river's there, just because we're thirsty, doesn't mean we are partaking until there's some action on our part to receive him into our life. We call that conversion. And you may be praying a prayer or whatever, but more important than all that is, is your life is headed, headed in a different direction. doesn't mean you're perfect, but you're headed in a different direction. The Holy Spirit and mission. First, it has to happen inside of here. But then notice what else he says. Come to me. He doesn't say go to the temple. He doesn't say go to the prophets. He doesn't say go to the Pharisees. He says you come to me. Then out of you will flow springs of living water. By that, the Holy Spirit. So there's a double motion Come to me and out of you will flow. That's now what I want to talk about is the flow out. You know if you've come to Christ or not. You know if it's serious or not. You know if it's intentional or not. You know that. But what you may not know, what I heard some remarks after the first service of people saying, I never had thought about that before, is now the Holy Spirit coming upon you for the sake of other people. That's now what I want to talk about. And Jesus talked about it. In fact, at the end of the Gospel of Luke, the 24th chapter, Jesus says, Wait here until the promise of the Father comes upon you and you receive the power from on high. You and I are called to have a power ministry. By power, I don't mean you make things happen just because you want them to happen. I mean it's God's power working in and through you for the sake of other people. He says it again in the, in the beginning, chapter 1 of the book of Acts. Wait here. He's the same author. He's probably talking about the same event, of course. But wait here until the promise of the Father, that's the Holy Spirit, 
when the promise of the Father comes upon you and gives you power for the sake of other people, wait here, and then you will go to Jerusalem, Judea, Galilee, and the rest of the world. Hence, the reason that you're here today is because someone along the way in your life said something to you about faith, something to you about Christ, something to you about the gospel, something to you about God's incredible love for you and for me. In some way, in some little way, you have responded, or maybe in some big way, you've responded to that. All God is saying is, give me what you got. Give me just a mustard seed size of faith. I'll take that, and I'll grow it up in you. There's certain habits that you'll want to partake in so that you'll let it grow, but then the Holy Spirit, I want to come upon you for the sake of other people. As it comes upon you for the sake of other people, there is what we call a power ministry where people are healed, physically healed, emotionally healed, mentally healed, spiritually healed, where there's words of knowledge, where there's prophetic words, where there's um, encouragement and administration and teaching and, and people speaking in tongues and all these kinds of things. There's a whole variety of gifts here at the Christmas season that we could talk about. Holy Spirit and mission. The Holy Spirit is in you for your conversion, comes upon you for the sake of others. So we've talked about John 14. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. He talked about Luke. At the end of Luke, wait here until the Holy Spirit comes upon you for the sake of other people with the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1, the Holy Spirit then comes upon them. What happens on the day of Pentecost is the Holy Spirit comes upon them all these remarkable events are happening, and they're sent out into the world, and that's what the book of Acts is all about. Read it. It is quite a reality TV show. <laughs> I mean, things are happening like you wouldn't believe, and they're still happening today. God, in his mercy, sometimes saves the culture from the church because, you see, the church can truncate everything down to just what I can make happen here naturally. And the church does not live on their tiptoes. The church does not live in expectation. The church th oftentimes thinks, well, this is all there is. This is get along the best we can and sing a few songs and be happy. It's so much more than that. Christ died on the cross for much more than what we live for. And all gets back to the work and the power and the person of the Holy Spirit. There's no other way. And you may say, well, I haven't heard much about the Holy Spirit. Well, I bet you have if you've been a Prince of Peace very long, because I know Gray. But if you haven't, well, get to know him. He's the third person of the Trinity. We talk about the Father, the Son, and the... Now, when I grew up, he was called the Holy Ghost. kind of scared me. <laughs> back in the 60s, I kept thinking of Casper or something like that. But, but uh, things have changed now. Now we call him the Holy Spirit. Praise God for that. So the Holy Spirit comes upon you for the sake of other people in such a way that you can understand this master plan that's taking place. I got to tell you a story. Uh, back in 2004, there was a revolution happening in the Ukraine, and uh, there was a state-sponsored TV uh, with a state-sponsored uh, TV announcer uh, who was announcing the impending victory of the Moscow-supported, state-supported candidate against a non-state-supported candidate on the TV. And she was saying that this state-supported candidate, whatever his name was, uh, was winning or had won the election. Meanwhile, on the same screen, 
there is a person using sign language for the deaf. She is saying in sign language, don't believe it. (laughs) It's not true. And it wasn't true. And the candidate that she was talking about really did win. And it was called the Orange Revolution. Look it up. It really happened. And then everything kind of changed. Listen, don't believe what you've been told about a truncated God, about a diminished God or a powerless God. Don't believe it. You're in the season of Advent, the season of expectation, the season of hope, the season of waiting upon him. What does that look like? When I speak this way, I oftentimes think, wow, gosh, he's talking about kind of heaven on earth. Well, yeah, in a way I am. Because in the Lord's Prayer, we talk about thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Bring that stuff here right now. End homelessness, end poverty, end injustice, end sexual harassment, end oppression, end all those kinds of things. Bring your glory and your peace and the joy of knowing who you are here right now. We just sang all these songs about that. But we're singing them because of some effect and impact we want to have here right now as the church of God living in the real power and the witness of the Holy Spirit in such a way that lives are being transformed and changed. We're dying to habit patterns of sin. We're clinging to the cross and letting the blood of the cross heal us and break us from all those habit patterns in such ways that we're experiencing freedom. Yeah, we're like the people in Isaiah, the broken people being put back together. The people who are captive to their habit patterns of sin being free from those kinds of things. The people who are mourning being comforted. The people who are poor, those people who are seeking his righteousness, seeking God's justice, are actually being fed by that, and then we change the world. Here's the deal. You know what happens? Healed people heal cities. Healed cities heal nations. Healed nations heal the world. It all begins right here at the Prince of Peace. I mean, it was already prophesied about you in the book of Isaiah, right? The Prince of Peace. So it all begins right here. Praying bold prayers, praying big prayers, praying prayers beyond our our capacity, beyond our comfort in such a way that we are invading the darkness. That's what we're called to do is to invade the impossible. We actually, as people, followers of Christ, we look for problems. Not too hard to find because oftentimes they're right in here. But we look for problems and we say, Lord, bring your presence, bring your light, bring your life, bring your spirit into this problem in and through me as best as I know how to do it. And he knows how to do it. And he knows how adequate or inadequate we are. It's not a matter of being more intelligent or more educated. All that helps, I guess. It's not a matter of having more money or less money. It's just a matter of being surrendered and open to him. So the broken heart are being put back together. What does that look like? Well, I'll tell you what it looks like. It looks like the hope that we can give people. So recently there was a a young man, a young clergyman here in Florida, actually, I was talking to, and he was sharing a story about how he would go to the coffee shop and he would um, sit, and he didn't wear his collar usually, and he would do work on Scripture or work on a sermon or whatever. One day he wore his collar. He just kind of happened to wear it. And someone sat down across from him and began talking to him, asking questions. And he began to kind of share his life, but he, did, he listened more than he did anything because why? We have two ears and one mouth, so we should listen more than we talk. And he listened and listened and listened, said a few words. At the end of the conversation, it lasted about an hour, he gave this other guy a Bible. 
I said, here, take this. This will tell you more than I could tell you. And the guy was very grateful. You know what he gave him back? A rope. He was about to hang himself. That's what it means to invade the darkness. That's what it means for the Holy Spirit to come upon you for the, uh, for the sake of other people. Did you take the time to listen? It's not coming up with another program. It's not electing the right person to politics. It is more about that than anything else. Another friend of mine was talking about how what he does in restaurants is he prays for waiters and waitresses. Uh, and this is what he says to them. Maybe you've done this, but uh, at some point while the waiter or waitress is waiting upon him, he will say, listen, if I have time to pray for you every night this week, what can I pray for you for? And the people would just respond in all kinds of ways. One night, on the night of his wedding, he's in a restaurant with his new bride, like a few hours old, right? And the waiter comes up, and he asks a question. And the waiter runs off into the kitchen. And so John says to his new bride, I said, well, I guess that one didn't go over so well. <laughs> 30 minutes later, the waiter came back, scooted in the booth with John and his new bride. I mean, where he was touching them, put down his head on the, on the, on the table and his hands and said, my wife, excuse me, my girlfriend is such a mess. Can God help that? And of course, yeah. This is what it means to bring light and life into people's life. Ministry for the sake of other people. Uh, another story is about another clergy person, friend of mine, uh, who had a very, very large church up north. And in fact, on Christmas Eve, they had 11,000 people. Uh, for the different services they had on Christmas Eve. He grew this church bigger and bigger and bigger, and he got lonelier, lonelier, and lonelier. After that church Christmas Eve service, 11,000 people showed up. Uh, he came home, and he said, I felt like the loneliest person in the world. He had eventually had a moral failure and uh, left that church. Then he went to get some help, some therapy, where do you go to get help in therapy? Well, you got to go to Colorado. That's where he goes. <laughs> and it's called psychodrama therapy. And psychodrama therapy, apparently you act out certain things to help get the healing that you need. So, for example, he was with some other people there who had issues, obviously. And uh, one of them was a, a woman who had some kind of weird attachment to her father and it was always kind of hanging over her in such a way that it just debilitated her. So for the psychodrama part of that, she had to walk around all day with someone hanging on to her leg <laughs> as a word picture of what it's like to have this, this attachment that you can't seem to get rid of, right? Think about you do that for a day. For this friend of mine, um, his issues had more to do with recognition of brokenness and recognition of what he had done. So there were three groups of people. There, there, all the people that were there broke up into three groups. One group was a group of people who did nothing but affirm him. That's what, that's what they, they, they were given, that, that character, character, characteristic. They just affirmed. Another group is a group of people he could never break into. They just wouldn't let him in. And another group of people were people who were all broken. 
You get this metaphorically, that's, that's what's happening. So he was asked, so which group do you choose? Now, all of his life, he had, been cho- he had chosen the people that affirmed him. Now, there's a place for that. There's a time to be affirmed, of course. But when we begin to live in that and to find our identity only in that, we're not being real to ourselves. He didn't choose that group. He didn't choose the group that wouldn't let him in. He chose the group of broken people because he recognized his own brokenness. He recognized his own need for healing. He recognized his own reality that he had overlooked a lot of the broken people because well, they were going to help him build a big church, right? These are all examples of what it looks like when the Holy Spirit comes upon you for the sake of other people to find healing in your life and strength in your life. And so these people do this in different ways. Uh, There's one more story. Uh, On December 6th, Wednesday, we had our third annual at All Saints Dallas, our third annual All Saints Dallas Christmas party. And it's designed to celebrate the end of Alpha of that semester and to announce the beginning of a new Alpha course uh, in January. Alpha is a practical introduction or reintroduction to the Christian faith done in a powerful way. We always, we've always done it uh, at a setting to where we had a band and we had a dance floor and we had fun and we had hors d'oeuvres and we had drinks and all that kind of thing and, and people would come the first year 500 people the last two years over 700 people because there's so much joy so I'm dancing with, with one of the people who just gone through Alpha and uh, she's the daughter of a very good friend of mine and so uh, we're on the dance floor I mean, it's, a, it's a great band, it's great dance it's great food, it's great experience, all that kind of thing and, and, uh, and I just was saying well tell me, tell me about your experience with Alpha while we're dancing and uh, she said you know Philip a year ago, I was going to come to Alpha, and I came to the bar where you have your Alpha, which is where I always do it in a bar. I figured more people would come. And, um, <laughs> and I drove around the bar. I drove around the bar, and listen to this, for one hour, and I never felt worthy to come in, and so I didn't. But this time, I did, and I recognize now, of course, I'm not worthy. None of us are worthy. But this is the kind of thing that we do, and it's just kind of a one-on-one type deal. We offer something here. We have a sit-down, and we listen to a guy who's about to hang himself there, didn't even know he was about to hang himself, or a young girl who didn't ever feel worthy. Or we recognize our need to be, our need for our brokenness, our need to be honest and real, whatever it may be. This is the Holy Spirit and mission for the sake of other people. The Holy Spirit is in you for your conversion. The Holy Spirit is already there if you're a follower of Christ. And the Holy Spirit is released or comes upon you, however you want to say it, so that you're flowing out, that that, that you're not like a lake or like a pond, but you're like a fountain, you're like a river, and you're flowing out of you into the brokenness of this world, and you're willing to invade the impossible. When this church moves downtown, All Saints Dallas, when we move downtown, I don't have a clue how all this is going to work. There's a homeless center about three blocks away. Uh, there's also downtown, there's, there's a whole lot of new building going up, and it's a center of arts, it's a center of business, it's a center of industry, of, of, of law, of medicine, of education. We're right across from a new high school that's going up in downtown Dallas. I don't have a clue how all that's going to be done. But God continues to push us out into mission 
to where it's uncomfortable and you oftentimes come to a crisis of belief and your only response can be one of faith and action. So that's what we're going to do right now. What I want to do right now, I did this at the early service, and uh, so what, what I want to do right now, I don't want to just leave you, give, give these words and engulf and leave. I want to give you a, an opportunity to experience, an opportunity to be prayed for, for the anointing of the Holy Spirit for the sake of other people. Understand? So here's how it's going to happen. Um, I think they're going to come up and play some music, right? And then uh, Gray and Cameron and I will be up front. And uh, as they're playing, if you would like to come forward, you come forward. And here's all we're going to do. We're not going to ask you to confess anything. <laughs> like, like tell everyone your worst sin. We're not going to do that. We're not going to ask you to say anything. I'll ask you what your name is, first name. And then we're going to lay hands upon you and pray for you about five seconds, and that's it. Because why, during this Advent Christmas season, I want this to be more than just singing the carols. I want it to be more than just being with family, opening presents. All that's great and wonderful. I want, you to be thir- I want us to be thirsty for the Holy Spirit in such a way for the sake of other people. So I'm going to pray for eyes that are clear to see, hearts that can feel and be compassionate, minds that can think and the courage to act. It takes about five, seven seconds. Then we'll pray for the next person. Does that make sense? You don't have to come forward if you don't want to. That's fine. If you don't, just enjoy the music and pray for these people and, and uh, 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 ask the Lord to be with you however you want to do that. But if you'd like to come forward, you'll be invited to. So we're going to stand up front. Let me say a prayer, and then they're going to move in. They can go ahead and start start. Yeah, start the music. And if you will, just kind of shut your eyes for a moment. Father God, as we gather in this moment, we recognize you do have a master plan. You've had it from the beginning of time. And you've revealed some things about it in in the Old Testament. And Jesus spoke about it the night before he died. And then he told his disciples who knew him well, but that wasn't sufficient They didn't have the power to change the things because the Holy Spirit hadn't yet come upon them, though the Holy Spirit was in them. And you told them to wait until the Holy Spirit could come upon them for the sake of other people. But we want to be those people. We we want the Holy Spirit to come upon us for the sake of others, like those disciples. And the Holy Spirit is alive and active today, Jesus, because you are through him and through us in Christ's name. Amen.